Welcome to the One Foot Down Podcast, episode number 42. Well, 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 uh, Florida State Review, it's been about four or five days since the game finished. Still not quite over it. Uh, one of the previous podcasts, I talked about how in the Stanford game, that fateful last play on the touchdown pass to Ben Koyak, how I kind of stayed in my seat, you know, wondering if the was actually a catch if Koyak kept his feet in bounds. Didn't really get too excited just because with the weather in that game, it's really tough to throw the ball. And just, oh, I don't know if he caught that. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to celebrate. I'm going to wait. Turns out. An amazing comeback. But wait. It was not meant to be. Uh, there's there's a flag on the play. Uh, I don't really want to talk a whole lot about the play. You know, we've talked about it on the site um, pretty much every day now. Today, I'm taping this on a Wednesday night. Today was the first day we really didn't have much discussion about it. Uh, on other places, on some other sites, they're still talking about it pretty uh, pretty boisterously. So... You know, it's a, it's a tough play. I thought watching it live, I didn't really understand why there was a flag. And then immediately, uh, Kirk Herbstreet pinpointed uh, CJ Proceis. And, you know, right at that moment, I was like, oh, okay, I can kind of see what the ref was looking, looking at. But it still didn't really make sense to me uh, you know, this is before really breaking the play down, like the Sabruder film. So, and and the whole time I really thought, and really probably into to Monday, I, I thought the whole time it was the flag was on Procise. I thought that's what the the back judge was uh, was looking at the whole time. You know, since then there's been all this confusion about you know they called the penalty in Fuller, then they they didn't switch it on Sunday, and then apparently they did on Monday. Uh, you know, you even have the f- stupid ruling from the NCAA, basically not really saying anything besides, oh, they're blocking downfield. They didn't really get into it other than that. Um, so, you know, it's really tough to be able to pinpoint, like, what exactly they were they were calling here? I'm pretty sure, you know, I was convinced it was precise the whole way, but now I've kind of flip flopped, and I think uh, that that ref was looking at Fuller the whole way. Um, and at first, I didn't think that was possible because, uh, you know, if you remember that sideline angle, I think that came from uh, someone from the Observer was standing on the sideline right next to the side judge, basically on the goal line. And it looked to me watching it uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday, all of Sunday, it looked like he was focusing on, on Procise and didn't see Procise break away from uh, Ramsey and then threw a flag. 
And then I kind of looked at what Fuller was doing, and I, I thought, you know, there's no way he called the flag on Fuller, which is way too quick. I mean, it was a, this is a super, super fast play. I mean, it, I don't even know in real time from the snap if it took two seconds for the touchdown to be scored. And, um, you know, you factor in the, the time it takes a, a referee to make up his mind that he's throwing a flag, uh, then reaching for his flag, and then throwing the flag. In my review on Monday, I pinpointed the, the moment where he's reaching for his flag. You can see his hand is reaching at his belt area. And, I mean, if you freeze it, Fuller has just barely made contact with Ronald Darby. I mean, it couldn't be more than two or three-tenths of a second. And he's already reaching for the flag. So I watched all of that, and I thought, he has to be looking at ProSize. There's no way he's calling that on Fuller. But now, you know, he made the call on Fuller on the field. The ref said, are you sure? Now that we have hindsight, we know the Florida State coaching staff was in the official's ear to watch out for a play. And I think it makes a little bit more sense that the – call was on Fuller, just from the ref's standpoint. Not that I agree with it, but I can understand what he was looking at. Um, I thought it's kind of tough to call that on ProSize from where that judge is standing. You know, he can only see Ramsey's back. Uh, you know, like I said before, maybe he could throw a flag because ProSize doesn't really uh, run a route but it could have just been a stop route. He can't really tell. I mean, he's not going to throw a flag on that, I would think. Um, but I think he, he he throws it on Fuller, and I think the, the big reason why is if you go back to that touchdown that Florida State complained about, uh, you know, we've had some Florida State fans on the, on the site say, oh, it's the same play. They ran it earlier. No, it wasn't the same play. This one, this first touchdown – pass to Corey Robinson was uh, you know quote unquote pick play a rub play you know something that the Denver Broncos Peyton Manning have perfected it's a legal play if you watch that they're not lined up uh, like they were on that last touchdown Um, and that one really is it's a pick play pro size cuts in front of Corey Robinson rubs his defender, and then continues his route. It's a legal play. They did it perfectly. Florida State complained. Now the refs watching out for that, and if you watch that first touchdown play, you see uh, ProSize gets his rub on Ramsey, just like on the last play, except you can't really be sure that's what ProSize is doing. I'll get to that in a second. He makes his pick on Ramsey. Uh, P.J. Williams, the corner, uh, runs around that pick, follows Coy Robinson, and doesn't get there in time. Coy Robinson barely scores a touchdown. Now, I'm not even sure that Notre Dame was running the same play uh, on that last touchdown. Um, you know, I've heard some people say they just basically ran, you know, some sort of a high low concept. Golson has a run pass option on that play. And if you watch, you know, 
what Fuller's doing there. Fuller would kind of take the place of Procise in that first touchdown play. If he's running a pick, you know, he doesn't do it any he doesn't do it the same way Procise did on the first play. It you watch Fuller on that play, it looks like he's running a route and he's turning to watch to see where the ball goes, to see if the ball is going to him. Now the one reason why I think more than any other, why that flag shouldn't have been thrown. If you watch the first touchdown play, literally a defender's picked. Ramsey notices right away that he needs to move towards Robinson. He starts moving towards Robinson. A def- uh, receiver gets in his way, and then he can't get close to Robinson, and then Williams comes around the back and is, is late getting to him. You know, that didn't happen at all on the last play. That, I think, is what's really frustrating for a lot of Notre Dame fans. There wasn't any sort of pick in the sense of Ronald Darby or Jalen Ramsey or P.J. Williams running towards Corey Robinson and getting obstructed. That didn't happen on the play at all. But yet they still threw a flag because in the heat of the moment, that ref where he's standing, he sees Fuller cutting across and making contact with Darby. Now, I would think that, you know, if the Florida State coaching staff wasn't in his ear, if he wasn't really waiting to throw a flag, which pretty much seems like he was, that flag came out quicker than any flag I've ever seen on a bang-bang play like that. And keep in mind, this is the last, you know, this is basically the last play of perhaps the biggest regular season game of the entire year. He's throwing that flag in a millisecond. I would think that a referee would take into account what Darby's doing in that play. You can see he's with Fuller the entire way. Kind of takes a couple steps with him as Fuller takes his route to the outside. And if you watch the replay, um, I wouldn't recommend taking too much time heading over there, but there's a good replay in Rock's house, uh, slow motion replays, super slow-mo replays of Procise and Fuller if you watch their routes. You can see Fuller take a step or two to the outside, and then he cuts in, and it, it syncs up almost perfectly. Him and Darby plant both feet at the exact same time, and they both cut into the inside at the same exact time. Now, if I'm the ref and I see that, How do you throw a flag on Fuller there? There's no pick involved. Who like who is getting picked? Well, who is being interfered with on that play? If Dar if Darby had you know jab step to his left moving backwards and then reads the play like he should have, if we believe what the Florida Florida State players and coaching staff have said, if we believe what Lars broke down in that play that they didn't communicate properly. If he immediately takes off to his left to go cover Corey Robinson and then Will Fuller gets in front of him and throws some sort of pick or rub, then I think there's a legitimate claim uh, to throw a flag there. But that didn't happen at all. Uh, Darby was with Fuller the whole way. Nobody was picked. They just blew the coverage, and that ref was overzealous and threw his flag. Uh, and it sucks. Um, 
I guess that's all I'll say about it. Uh, it's frustrating, but what are you going to do? I, I think maybe the silver lining out of all of this, um, and it's been frustrating that a lot of people really aren't talking about the whole uh, notion of a pick on that play. Who you know was somebody picked? They're not really talking about this. Oh, oh, look at their they're blocking here. Oh, they are. Oh, okay. And that's all they're just kind of saying. Oh, look, they blocked up oh, flag. So that, that part's kind of frustrating. I mean, there's, I think it's been pretty embarrassing for the ACC and even the NCAA official who went on, on his video and basically didn't see anything, just rubber stamped the foul and didn't really provide any clarity on the situation. I mean, you would think someone of that, um, with that high of a, power would, would kind of get into things more deeply, but at the same time, you can't really expect them to, uh, to dig too deep and, 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 and really chastise uh, their own or chastise a referee for making a bad call. They're not going to do that. So, but the silver lining is, you know, Notre Dame came out of this game uh, really boosting their stock about as much as you could imagine. I mean, I, I predicted that Notre Dame would lose my nine points. I thought they would be, uh, competitive in the game. I thought it was going to be a good game. They ended up losing uh, by four points. I don't really think I could have admitted that Notre Dame would lose the game really in any fashion and have really everyone in the media saying, you know, this Notre Dame team is legit. This is a playoff caliber team, uh, you know, barely slipped in the polls. I mean, this is like the good old days in the, in the, in the 60s and 70s when Notre Dame would lose and slip three or four spots in the poll. Uh, you know, some of the some of the well-respected journalists still have Notre Dame, like, number four. They come out with early playoff projections. They still have Notre Dame uh, at the four spot. You know, this is pretty crazy. I thought maybe, uh, you know, the narrative coming out of the game would be, oh, Florida State's maybe not that good. You know, I kind of wonder about that myself. They had trouble running the ball in this game. Uh, they're definitely not the same team as last year, but like I said in my preview, they're never going to be able to live up to those expectations from last year. They have a big game next Thursday against Louisville. It would have been interesting to see if they had played that game uh, tomorrow with less than a week to prepare on the road uh, at Louisville. It would have been interesting to watch that game. But really, I mean, most people expect that to be uh, Florida State's last challenge before the ACC championship game, and who knows how challenging even that league title game is going to be for Florida State. So kind of everyone's expecting Florida State to go undefeated. So I don't really think the narrative could have been that Florida State's not that good this year. They've kind of taken care of business, uh, overcame a national title hangover, and um, – you know, I'll give them some credit in this game. I thought they, they played pretty well in the second half. Um, you know, there's really not much you can say about Jamie Swinston. He was on fire in the second half, completely carried the offense, played lights out, really, mistake-free. I mean, it was almost a perfect half when you really go back and look at everything that he was able to do. Uh, basically, every throw was on, on the money. Uh, great decision making, accuracy, all it was all there. Uh, you know, I thought they played a little bit better defensively, um, but you know, from start to finish, I think Notre Dame just made a really big statement with this game. Uh, and it's hard, it's hard to say. Well, you know, 
I didn't start my 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 review uh, right after the game. I occasionally will do that. I'll be watching a West Coast game or Pac-12 games late at night, just kind of start writing some thoughts down about what just happened in Notre Dame or Notre Dame game earlier in the day. Uh, I waited pretty much till Sunday afternoon to start. Didn't really, sh- I wasn't really sure what to do, what to say. I, you know, on the one hand, I thought, man, if we had won this game, the pressure would just be enormous the rest of the way. Uh, you know, before in the, in the weeks leading up to this game, you know, past week or two, we were kind of saying, you know, if Notre Dame's going to get in with one loss, it's probably going to be losing to Florida state and then kind of winning out and moving up in the rankings, uh, moving up in the eyes of the playoff committee and then sneaking in. Uh, if they had won this game, I mean, the pressure would have been crazy for them. I think, you know, we'd be sweating this Navy game coming up big time. And, uh, you know, it's Navy. So God knows what's going to happen with their triple option and, injuries and cut blocks and stuff like that. So um, in a way, I guess kind of taking some comfort in the fact that, you know, Notre Dame six and one, I don't think most people expected them to be here. They're seventh in the country. um, And, you know, after this bye week, they'll probably be maybe a spot or two higher after uh, the ninth week of the season that's definitely exceeding my expectations. So it's kind of hard to get too upset about what's happened uh, since this Florida state game. Uh, I think there still is a lot of pressure to win out. Uh, But I I really don't think it would, I think if they were undefeated, it would have been really overbearing. I think Brian Kelly would have done a good job. He did a good job of it in 2012, kind of handling all that. But you know, that was a really, senior laden team, uh, lots of leadership uh, in the upper classes, uh, lots of seniors with, uh, you know, basically I think it was all senior captains except for, well, I guess Martin would have been a true senior. But, yeah, so I'm not sure if this team really has that kind of leadership uh, to really steer through a 12-0 and season. Could happen. Who knows? But I, I think this is kind of a blessing disguise for Notre Dame. Um, you know, the rest of the schedule is pretty demanding. Uh, certainly much more demanding than the beginning of the schedule, or the first half of the schedule, excuse me. Uh, hopefully they'll take care of business against Navy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Navy kind of had a decent day on offense. Uh, you know, they, they tend to do that to you. They'll score some garbage points and maybe the game will be a lot closer than we thought, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect Notre Dame to really falter offensively in that game unless they have a bunch of turnovers. So I think, you know, uh, this is, I always say this about Navy. If Notre Dame scores more than 30 points, they're going to win the game. Uh, If they have a good day offensively, they're just guaranteed to win the game. Uh, It totally gets Navy out of the comfort zone and uh, gets them out of their rhythm and, that's basically what my whole lifetime, and even before that, that's how the, the that game's been played. Uh, you look at Louisville, that's going to be a tough game. We'll see how they do against Florida State. Uh, I, I like that that's a home game for Notre Dame. I, I'll be interested to see. You know, that, that roster is just chock full of Florida kids. I want, well, hopefully, it'll be pretty cold for that game uh, when they come to South Bend. Northwestern, um, 
I don't know. People are still kind of talking about that game as a trap game or someone that could come up and bite Notre Dame in the rear. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. They're, I don't think they're really uh, as good as I thought they would be this year. I kind of thought they would surprise some people in the Big Ten. They were showing all the signs of uh, doing some good things this year after last year. I had a lot of bad luck, some injuries, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, they started off poorly this year, and they're kind of doing okay for Big Ten standards, but nothing special. You know, Arizona State, I guess, is the one the one game that everyone's kind of circling on the on the schedule right now is the toughest game. on. It's on the road. You know, I it's that's a tough call. I, I think that's going to be a really fun preview for me to write because they're. I think they're getting Taylor Kelly back this weekend. We'll see how he plays. Uh, even their backup did really well in his absence. Uh, the offense has done really well. But uh, man, their defense is not good, and it's not a good showing by Stanford last weekend. I don't think they. I think they had two hundred eighty something yards, ten points. I mean. This Arizona State defense is not good. They have not been good all season. And, uh, you know, maybe someone will say, oh, well, they did pretty good against Stanford. But I don't think – I mean, Stanford's offense at this point is is kind of a joke. And uh, I know that kind of devalues Notre Dame's win over them uh, and how the defense played. But, I mean, everybody was scoring 30 points in Arizona State. They lost so many players. They got so many new guys on that side of the ball, so many young players. I mean, it's, it's that's just going to be – I think that's going to be a weird game. I don't know. It, it's almost like it'll be upside-down world or something. We think it's going to be a big shootout, but I don't know. It, it seems like – I don't know. I'm feeling a really weird game out there when they when they go out there to play uh, the Sun Devils. And then, of course, you have uh, this the regular season finale at USC. Mm-hmm. To be determined, I guess. USC kind of has all, most of their tough games out of the way, so there's a pretty good chance that they're going to be, you know, a fairly high-ranked team. I I would assume by the time Notre Dame plays out there, uh, I don't know off the top of my head if I would imagine they play UCLA before the Notre Dame game. I think that's how it's been going. Uh, so that'll be an interesting game to watch to see <laughs> if uh, UCLA is. Uh, a complete dump, dumpster fire uh, at that point. Uh, quick side note, for about two hours on uh, Saturday, I uh, was out doing some things on Saturday. didn't really watch a whole lot of football. got home about 6.30 or 7 o'clock. And for about two hours, I thought UCLA lost to Cal. And I was really excited about that. And uh, I went to read a a write-up about the game, and they're talking about, or there's some comments about how UCLA held on with that field goal, and then I was like, oh, they won? I thought they lost to Kale. That was really upsetting. So that's just a quick side note, but not looking good for uh, the UCLA Bruins, and that makes me really happy. So uh, I don't know how anyone else feels. I'm rooting for USC in that game. I think most of Notre Dame fans should be as well. Uh, <laughs> we need UCLA or USC to be good for our strength of schedule. Uh, it'd be great to finish off the regular season to impress the uh, playoff committee with a win over a possible uh, nine and two USC team that's maybe in the top fifteen. So 
that's who I'm rooting for. And probably until Jim Mora uh, leaves UCLA, I will probably root for USC in that rivalry. So that's just the way it's going to go. So by week this this upcoming Saturday, I think the second time in three years we'd had two buys in the season. Or did we have uh, one last year as well? I thought maybe we had one in 2012. We had a couple. No, I don't think we did. I think last year there's two as well. Um, so there's not going to be a whole lot going on this weekend. Uh, not really a, a terrible, a terribly great uh, slate of games. The past two weekends we've been pretty spoiled. Lots of great games, you know, four, five, six really, really important games. This upcoming weekend is going to be, uh, you know, not really moving the needle as much. So highly unlikely that the polls are really going to be shaking up uh, like they were uh, in the past couple of weeks. You know, I guess I could talk a little bit more about that Florida State game uh, in, in detail. Statistically, I think it's it's pretty amazing to, to see how well Notre Dame played. And, you know, it, it's just been kind of a, a bizarro week right now, kind of dealing with the pain of the loss, but also seeing so much support and and so much happiness about the Notre Dame program right now, especially within the fan base. I mean, I think it's safe to say that there's been – a lot of fractures within within the fan base over Brian Kelly, over, you know, you could just throw darts on any topics with Notre Dame football. There's, there's been a lot of divisions and, and arguments about everything, and, and, and this has been a week so far where everyone seems to have come together and realized, you know, thing, things are different now with Notre Dame. I don't know if you want to say they've turned the corner. I wouldn't go so far as to say that, you know, Notre Dame is an elite program right now. Uh, you know, we've been talking behind the scenes uh, with some of our writers kind of, you know, wondering about the future with Brian Kelly. How long is he going to be at Notre Dame? You know, if something were to happen, who would be the next coach? Stuff like that. Just kind of harmless, you know, 20,000-foot view of the program. You know, where are we? Brian Kelly's done a really good job. Uh, is the program stable enough or this coach could come in and keep things going? Uh, do we need this coach to come in and, and, and do something else? You know, if, you know, Kelly were to retire or take an NFL job or what have you. Um, but it's just been, it's been exciting and, and kind of, it's, you know, it's happy. It's happy times for Notre Dame. It kind of really, I don't know if this is what it feels like for Notre Dame to be back, but it does have that kind of a feeling, um, especially when you're looking at people outside of the fan base. You know, respect for Notre Dame now is probably as high as it's ever been. I, I don't know, maybe even more so than, you know, after that USC game in 2012. I mean, it kind of a lot of people's, kind of thought that that was a really lucky year for Notre Dame and lots of things went Notre Dame's way. Uh, The offense was kind of okay. The defense was dominant, but I think, you know, there are questions about who Notre Dame played on offense and stuff like that. And I think this weekend against this past weekend's weekend against Florida state, people saw both sides of the ball were just 
really dang good. And um, I don't know if that surprised a lot of people. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe it should have. I don't know. But uh, it's pretty crazy to see uh, this much respect uh, for Notre Dame right now. So, you know, looking at the game, 26 first downs for Notre Dame, 157 rushing yards, Golson went over 300 yards passing, 470 total yards to only 323 for Florida State. That's just, I mean, I, I never would have predicted anything like that. That that's, that's just a great performance. Now, I've seen some of the advanced stats that kind of favor Florida State a little bit more in this game. Um, and I don't want to dismiss those. But I, I do think if you watch this game, you know, the large takeaway from, from most people was that Notre Dame was the dominant team in that game. And, and you know, the really frustrating thing is, and I'm glad that Brian Kelly brought this up in his press conference uh, following the game, Notre Dame should have put Florida State away early in this game. They're only up – let me check make sure. Only up by a touchdown at halftime. It felt like Notre Dame should have been up by 14, 17 points at halftime. Now, does that mean that they would have definitely won in the second half? No, but the one thing looking back is Notre Dame should have stepped on Florida State's throat in that first half and made it nearly impossible to come back, and they didn't. Uh, Florida State kind of got some points in there. Really quickly, I mean, their first touchdown drive was just like four plays, boom, 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 touchdown, you know, that's just something Notre Dame really hasn't been able to do yet with their offense. And you kind of, we got to see the machine that is Florida state's offense uh, with Winston at quarterback come alive there. They snuck in that field goal towards the end of the first half to make it a one score game. And that's kind of, I mean, that was kind of deflating. I remember checking the stats really quick at halftime, like, Oh my God, just completely dominated. I mean, Florida state had something like, what was it, like 108 or 112 yards at the half? Man, it should have been up by at least two or three scores, but they just weren't. You didn't put them away, and that's, I think, you know, maybe years later that will be more frustrating than the, than the uh, penalty that was thrown at the end. Maybe not, but, you know, statistically, and I think really for most people in this game, Notre Dame looked like the better team, like the stronger team. And it is frustrating that they didn't come out on top, but that's the way the breaks go, I guess. Uh, so it's going to be an exciting finish to the to the regular season. I, I've made no bones about it. I, I I can't wait for the playoff to come. I, I don't really, I don't think I've quite made it to the point where I'm expecting Notre Dame to still make the playoff. Um, I still think it's going to be hard to not drop one more game down the stretch here. Um, you know, they haven't been particularly lucky in the secondary with the suspension of Russell and some of the injuries at safety, but the injury bug really hasn't hit the team uh, too bad this year. I mean, the defensive line has been pretty healthy uh, and that's, it's, that's been really good. Uh, you know, I guess Martin has, his hand injury and that's kind of affected things, but overall 
you know, injuries haven't been a huge concern, and you never know when that's going to come up and bite a team later in the season. And this is still a young team. The depth's pretty, pretty good uh, at most positions, but, you know, if let's say perhaps Jaron Jones went out, I, I think that's a big blow to the defense. And so, you know, a lot of teams have to deal with that. That might be something Notre Dame has to deal with uh, over the rest of this, the season. So, um, but who knows? Maybe the injuries won't happen, and, and Notre Dame can go eleven and one and get to the playoff. But uh, I'm just excited. Uh, I, I've really talked about this a lot uh, over the years. Uh, as soon as I read Death of the BCS, I was converted. Um, and the big one of the big reasons why I think. You know, once you get over the the romanticism of, you know, losing a game or trying to go undefeated, uh, an undefeated season is uh, kind of the romantic ideal for a national championship. Once you kind of get over that and, uh, you know, you kind of become more comfortable with the fact that if you lose, you're not out of it, then I think, I mean, is there really that many downsides to the playoff at all? I know that if the if this was uh, the older era and Florida State had won this game, I think there would be a lot more despair. I'm not just really disputing that, but I don't think that necessarily means the system was better back uh, in the past. So uh, the one thing with the playoff is I think there's going to be a lot of really important regular season games that people are going to monitor, that they're going to want to watch, uh, you know, you could just pick out the schedule right now, and there's probably about 20 to 25 regular season games left on the schedule that Notre Dame fans are going to want to watch because it's going to affect everything uh, with Notre Dame. You know, the Arizona State-Arizona game, I mean – has any Notre Dame fan ever watched that game really looking forward to that game ever in their entire lives? Well, this year, you know, maybe that game is going to decide uh, someone going into the PAC 12 championship and very likely getting a spot in the playoff. And that's something you're going to want to watch. And I think that's really something that's underrated about the playoff is that uh, in a sense, you know, Notre Dame loses to Florida state and it doesn't make the loss as bad. And therefore a lot of people think that that, makes the playoff devalues the regular season. But then there's, I mean, dozens and dozens of other regular season games that just didn't have much meaning before. And now they have a lot more meaning. Uh, They're a lot more important. And I think they're going to be bigger and better than ever uh, and more competitive than ever. And that's what I'm really excited to see with the playoff. So uh, bye week this week for Notre Dame. Um, I'm sure we'll be back with another podcast um, after the Navy game, hopefully Notre Dame takes care of business uh, against the Middies, and hopefully there's not very many injuries. I hope I'm um, right now. I'm knocking on wood. I didn't jinx anybody about uh, getting injured, um, so you can't blame me. I will take blame for the North Carolina game for questioning whether Brian Van Gorder can keep things up on defense. Um, we got some fun stuff on the site. Um, coming up this week. Uh, Tevin Coney's making his decision tomorrow morning. By the time you listen to this podcast, he may already have made his decision. He's picking at 9 o'clock in the morning Eastern uh, at his high school in Florida. 
we've got a cool little round table discussion um, that we've done with a bunch of our writers. Uh, and the topic is football 50 years from now. We kind of wondered about various programs around the country, what teams we kind of see or what programs, I guess teams isn't really their correct terminology, what programs or schools we, we think are going to be vastly improved 50 years from now and what programs we think are going to be, uh, you know, declined, uh, and not as, as powerful right now. It's kind of a cool conversation. I, I, I hope that, uh, we have a lot of good comments on that. Uh, I know we could have, it's, I think it's almost 4,000 words or there's well over 3,000 words. You know, we could have gone on and on and on and talked about, you know, 50 different schools. So I, I'm sure there's plenty of room in the comment section for everyone to uh, give us their opinion on what they think about schools and and this and that and, you know, kind of recruiting hotbeds and, and, and fan bases and popularity and stuff like that. I mean, we kind of talked about all of that. And uh, so if you see that on the site tomorrow, I would urge you to get involved and start a good discussion. Um, other than that, we should be kind of with a regularly scheduled program. I think we'll have a football food this Saturday instead of Friday. We'll put something up uh, for that bye week during the Saturday. And then uh, we will start our Navy prep uh, in a few days here. So uh, I'm Eric Murtaugh. This is our 42nd episode of the One Foot Down podcast, and we will see you later.